The following interview is with Jeff Berwick, founder of The Dollar Vigilante. Anytime during the show you want to make a purchase or get more information on precious metals with Guildhall, quite simple, one eight seven seven eight silver and online to guildhallwealth.com. Here's Jeff. We are thrilled to welcome special guest Jeff Berwick, founder of The Dollar Vigilante, CEO of TDV Media and Service, and host of the popular video podcast, Anarchast, back to the show. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much. Just like your good friend Judge Andrew Napolitano says, personally, the, the Dollar Vigilante is one of the few emails personally I read as soon as it hits my inbox. But for the listeners who don't know of your financial newsletter, Jeff, called the TDV for short, can you take some time to explain to us exactly what a Dollar Vigilante is? Sure, it actually came up sort of funnily how it uh, how it arrived on that name, uh, but I had had an internet company in Canada in the 1990s called Stockhouse.com, and it's still the top financial website in Canada. And it went from out of my house to being 240 million dollar valuation in the year 2000 to being almost worthless in in a year later. And I wondered why that happened. And I ended up selling the company after I salvaged it. And I tried to sail around the world. And I went to about 100 different countries. And I was just trying to figure out what actually happened during that tech bubble. And the first book I read actually turned out to be The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And uh, that told me a lot about how central banks work um, and how the whole system works. And it's actually all a big scam, an absolute scam against humanity, central banking. And so I, I read for years and years, and by around 2005, I, I figured I, I knew quite a bit uh, that most people didn't know. And I knew that the uh, housing bubble in the U.S. was going to collapse sometime fairly soon, and this was 2005. And then, of course, 2006, 2007, it began to collapse, and 2008, it was already collapsed. And uh, at that point, I realized I kind of knew how this whole system works. I knew what was going on, and most people didn't. Most people think these things are all just happened by accident, and it was just a coincidence that happened, or that was just rare, or just a, a black swan event that uh, you know just, just happened out of the blue sort of a thing. And so it was around 2009, and I was thinking, I need to start writing about this stuff because hardly anyone knows about how this whole system works. They definitely don't talk about it on CNBC or CNN, and they definitely don't teach you how the money system works in the government indoctrination camps called public school uh, that they send you to for 12 years. And so I, I decided around that time that I wanted to start a website, and I wanted to start uh, writing about these sort of things. And uh, I actually spent about six months trying to decide on a name, and I kept thinking I, I, I'm really into picking just the right name, uh, and, uh, and sometimes it doesn't come right away. And so for months and months I was thinking about it, and then I heard I was walking by, I forget what it was, a TV or a radio or maybe even a computer just streaming something, and they were talking about bond vigilantes. And for people who might remember back in the 70s, uh, we were actually in a bit, quite a similar time to we are in today. Uh, it was beginning uh, major inflation. Uh, the economy was falling apart. Uh, and then what happened was there was people called bond vigilantes at that time, including people back then like George Soros, who actually is known as breaking the Bank of England. And what they did is when central banks started to print too much money or if they kept interest rates too low for too long or if governments got into too much debt, they would short the bonds to actually force them to have to do something to stop and uh, they were known as uh, bond vigilantes, and actually it eventually ended in 1980, and because a lot of it was because of the bond vigilantes. So I was walking by, I heard the term bond vigilante, and I said to myself in my head, I said, 
man, we, we can't even have bond vigilantes anymore because the central banks just print up as much money as they want. So if the U.S. government keeps going into massive amounts of debt, which it does, it's going into more than a trillion dollars of debt per year right now. It's over $19 trillion, and that's doubled since 2008, uh, which should really say something to people. It's actually gone up doubled uh, in, in just a short period of time. So we're nearing the end stages of this. And so I said to myself, well, you can't even sell bonds anymore. The central banks will buy them. And then I said to myself, we need dollar vigilantes. We need people who sell the dollar. Uh, to, to end this, this craziness. And that's where the name came from. And I started in 2010, and it's been growing ever since. Always been interested in asking you. Thanks for answering that, Jeff. Uh, just knowing that where the name came from, very unique and uh, very marketable, I must say. Um, now, because of this journey that you've been on, it has caught many uh, caught the attention of many, including myself and many of our listeners. This remarkable journey of bringing to light the failing policies of you name it, fractional reserve banking, the fading U.S. dollar hegemony, um, all of these things. Um, and plus, um, you've been trumpeting the importance of many things like internationalizing your wealth, privatizing your wealth through the acquisition of real assets, land, and especially physical gold. Um, and it seems like things are really accelerating to, towards a climax, wouldn't you say? Why is it so important today for our listeners, especially those who've been on the fence, to own physical gold today? Why is it so important, Jeff? Well, I think it's because we're heading towards the end stages of, of this entire financial and monetary system. And it's really hard for a lot of people to get their head around because they don't really understand how most of this stuff works. In fact, when I started the Dollar Vigilante in 2010, most people didn't even know about what the Federal Reserve was. If you had, Even today, uh, m some Americans are starting to wake up finally. And I'm not just talking about the U.S. This is in almost every country, but uh, we'll just talk about the U.S. specifically here, that uh, some people actually know the word Federal Reserve now. That's a big change over the last 10 years. Before that, hardly anyone even talked about it, even though it's written on every Federal Reserve note, which is called a U.S. dollar, but it says Federal Reserve note right on it. On the backside is a uh, pyramid with an all-seeing eye, but no one seems to notice that either. Uh, but no one seems to notice, uh, and no one seems to ask or care, where, where does money come from? And they don't want you to know. They don't teach you that on purpose. And it was actually Ford, the creator of the automobile in the 20th century, who said, early 20th century, who said that if people understood how the money system worked, there'd be a revolution tomorrow. And he's right. If people actually understood exactly how this works, they would be furious because it actually impoverishes everybody and only uh, makes rich the incredibly, incredibly elite. We're talking not 1%. We're talking the point zero 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 one percent uh, and they get all the money. The system is actually set up that way. It's actually a scam. It's an absolute scam. You can watch a video on YouTube called, I think, The End of the American Dream or The American Dream. Uh, and it's just type in American Dream Federal Reserve and you'll find it. And it explains how the system works. It takes a while to explain it all. But essentially, it just constantly is robbing from the economy and just giving to the very, very, very few. Uh, and most people don't see it. And so, you asked the question, why should people be uh, buying gold and things like that right now? Well, you have to look back and understand a little bit of history. The Federal Reserve was founded in 1913. Actually, on Christmas Eve, it was run, ran through Congress. And I believe it was Wilson who was president at the time. And he said afterwards that uh, he feels terrible. He essentially sold the country uh, to the private bankers. 
And that's exactly what happened. And in fact, it's very interesting, that exact same year, they put in an income tax. There was no income tax in the U.S. before that. There was still roads. There was still a militia. There was still everything. Uh, but there was no income tax. You don't need these things. This all is a scam. Even government itself is a scam on people. Uh, so people need to realize that. So what's happened since 1913 is they brought in this new system, which is essentially a scam. In fact, central banking is a tenet of communism. It has nothing to do with capitalism. Capitalism does not have central banks, does not have taxes, does not have regulations. That's all statism and communism, and that's what the U.S. is today. And so it started to fall apart by 1929, so they decided to destroy the entire economy. They printed up a lot of money. They do this all the time. They did it just as recently as 2001 and 2008, and they're going to do it again soon. They actually have been doing it again soon. The collapse is soon to come. But they did it in uh, 1929. They printed up the money supply, and then they uh, withdrew a lot of the money supply all at once to crash the stock market, and then they bought up most of the stock market. Uh, So that happened in 1929. By 1933, things were so bad that uh, the U.S. government confiscated gold in the land of the free uh, for 40 years. Uh, No Americans were legally allowed to own gold during that period of time in the land of the free. And then by 1971, it uh, again became so absolutely brutally bad that they uh, had to take away the gold. Any vestige of the gold backing away from the dollar was actually on August 15, 1971. Richard Nixon went on the television programming and told everyone, because of money speculators, we're going to have to temporarily remove the gold backing away from the dollar. Uh, we're still waiting. It's over 40 years now. And uh, they did that because the U.S. government was bankrupt after the war in Vietnam and all the other the, the uh, all the social programs brought in by LBJ and all these sort of things. Um, they, they bankrupted the government. So the, the U.S. government couldn't pay back any money in dollars, any, in gold anymore, so they had to stop doing that. So that was the second end stage of this collapse, and it, it barely made it through the 1980s, and then it's made it through so far to this point. It started to collapse in 2001. Uh, it had a, the biggest collapse of all time in 2008, and then the next biggest one is coming soon, and I think it could come even this year, and uh, it, will, it could be the very end of this financial system. Every government's bankrupt. Every central bank is just printing money just to keep the system alive. This thing's over, and so if you don't get your assets outside of this system as soon as possible, you could lose everything. I think we all needed that, uh, that refreshing history lesson to bring to light the importance of gold. Um, especially right now, what, I'm, what we're seeing and, and some of the clients that we talk to, there's, there's a euphoria. We see it on the stock markets and even in real estate. We love balance, and here at Guildhall, we appreciate balance, and uh, real estate has done very well. And just to shift a little bit to the real estate market. Now, Jeff, many know or many may not know that you're Canadian, right? I was born in Canada, yes. Yeah, uh, originally from Vancouver. Now, there is a mantra there where, where I read that it's there's the mantra called or titled the Fear of Missing Out slogan in the city's real estate market, which has helped push prices to astounding increases year over year, with detached homes uh, home prices up some 38%. The CMHC here in Canada recently just raised Vancouver's risk rating to high, while the province instituted last month a 15% transfer tax on home purchases involving foreign investors, which seems to have made an immediate impact as overall sales actually plunged to to lows uh, down about 27% from a record in June, from the record set in June. Uh, do you think that could this this uh, this tax could be potentially that that a pin in this market? And should market participants in real estate now be hedging with gold? 
Well, uh, when you look at Vancouver, that's just a, one small city in the entire world. And when you look at real estate, you have to take in all kinds of factors. And I'm actually from that area, and I know very well. I actually uh, spent time from 1991 to 2003 in Vancouver, and I saw the entire city change during that time. By the time I left, there was more Asians than Caucasians in Vancouver. It's actually become sort of just the Asian place to go, uh, way more than San Francisco or anywhere else uh, in North America for Asians. And so if you just look at one real estate market, it's really hard to say how it's going to work out. However, it's obviously reaching extreme peaks right now. But the thing is that the entire real estate market in most of the Western economies has again turned into a bit of a bubble now. And this is exactly what happened in 2006, right before it collapsed again. And it's all caused by central bank money printing. So what happened after the tech bubble collapsed in 2001 is Paul Krugman, the Nobel Peace Prize winner in economics, who writes for the New York Times, said that they, and he's had some of the most ludicrous uh, statements ever, including uh, he thinks maybe to get out of this debt, we should print a $1 trillion coin. He also suggested perhaps faking an alien invasion to boost the economy. Like, this man's uh, literally insane. And, uh, but after 2001, and after that collapse, he wrote in the New York Times that what we need now is a housing bubble, because to him, it's all about building up bubbles. <laughs> and actually, bubbles destroy the economy over time. Uh, but he's Keynesian and sort of communist and socialist, and he's crazy, basically. Uh, so he called for it, and that's exactly what happened. He's fairly tied in with the, the central banks and the elites, and he's sort of their mouthpiece, in my opinion. So he was kind of telling people, that's what we're going to do next. We're going to blow up a house bubble. And that's what happened. And it all fell apart in 2008 because it was all built on printing tons of money, which they did during that period of time, the Federal Reserve. And they also allowed the banks to just uh, do any sort of mortgage. They're giving mortgages to dead people. If anyone saw the movie The Big Short, you know all about it. Uh, it was absolutely insane. And I saw all that uh, beforehand, and I knew it was coming, uh, but uh, most people didn't. But the in interesting thing is since 2008 collapsed, all they've done is started all over again. They started. They printed way more money this time. Like As I mentioned, the U.S. government has doubled its amount of debt since 2008. Uh, the Federal Reserve has been in 0% interest rates now for eight years. That is absolutely unheard of in human history uh it's uh, and even in the in europe they've gone into negative interest rates which is crazy by any definition that you would lend someone money and pay them for doing so on the hope that in 20 or 50 years like in switzerland where they have a 50-year negative interest rate bond that you'll maybe get some of the money back it's absolute insanity but we're at nearing the end stage of the system so the money is just running all over the place just trying to find out where it can where it can survive so uh, it's actually built up these housing bubbles again. You see it in New York and London, all over the place. And yet again, it's, it's unbelievable to watch it in real time. People are like, oh, yeah, this time it's going to last. This time it's a sure thing. Exact same thing they were saying in 2006. It's amazing how short people's memory, memory is. I don't know how much fluoride they're putting in the water now, but people just seem to have no memory whatsoever. Uh, this is all going to collapse again. I don't know about Vancouver in particular. That's one small market, but I wouldn't, would not doubt whatsoever that Vancouver is going to implode. The entire Canadian market's going to implode. The entire U.S. real estate market's going to implode. Uh, the entire uh, U.K. market's going to implode. The entire European market, actually a lot of it already has imploded in places like Spain and Italy. Uh, so, you know, I would get out of as many of those things as possible. The one thing I like about real estate, though, is it is a hard asset. So, Jenny Yellen can't counterfeit, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all the houses in the world or anything like that. The only thing she can counterfeit is money. Uh, so even if this whole thing just all just blows up and everything's destroyed at the end, you'll still have a house unless it gets 
some, you know, unless we go into nuclear war here with Putin, which looks like what they're headed towards. Uh, so it's definitely interesting times and crazy times. I would recommend if people really do like real estate to look into other markets which haven't been blown up uh, because of central bank money printing and because of low uh, interest and, and easy uh, banking lending. Places like Mexico, for example, you can get amazing deals in Acapulco. You wouldn't even believe what you can get. Uh, and all over Mexico, and I've been in a place like Cambodia, you can get, un- you can get am- amazing deals in, in countries like that. I would suggest Nicaragua, Chile, has already grown a lot, so it's getting quite expensive now. I would suggest Colombia, uh, but I would not suggest doing it in places like the U.S., Canada, or Europe. So for the speculator looking for for properties, definitely South America, Central America, but what, what not in Canada anymore. It's pretty much peaked here in Canada and North America is what you're saying, Jeff. Yeah, uh, the Canadian market is uh, absolutely brutal. I, I've been watching it. It's going to absolutely implode if people don't know that. Uh, the the banks are, are so highly leveraged. Uh, there's the the amount that has gone up uh, so far in the last few years is just unsustainable, absolutely unsustainable. You brought up the Vancouver market. That's, mm-hmm. When I see that, I can't believe it. Uh, it's not going to sustain. And when this all starts to collapse, and it will, uh, it's going to be worse than 2008. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the only thing I would maybe say is if you really just don't want to, if you want to stay in Canada and, and buy something, I would say uh, look at farmland at the very least. Uh, I wouldn't be looking at condos and, and houses in major cities like Vancouver or Toronto or, or um or Montreal or any place like that. Appreciate the insight, Jeff. And we also often talk about how uh, unprecedented the current interconnectedness of the global economy is. Uh, one thing affects the other, as we saw in 2008 with the with the housing crisis. And even now, how different it will be when, uh, not if, we have the next financial crisis. Now, besides the real estate, some say bubble that we have here domestically, there are a slew of other potential threats to bringing down this global house of cards, whether it's Deutsche Bank going down in Germany, uh, Monte de Pasci in Italy, a default potentially in China, an unpre- unexpected U.S. rate rise, or an escalation as we're seeing right now in the South China Sea. Tensions, uh, a lot of tensions, just to name a few. How does owning physical gold and silver, a bullion, defer risk? or dare I say certainty of global con- a global contagion from one of these events? Well, if you just look at what's been going on for the last few years, you look at Cyprus, it was 2013, they did their bank bail-in, uh, where they actually, the uh, banks got into so much trouble and were so uh, indebted that they uh, closed the banks over the weekend, and then when they reopened them, they had taken half of everyone's money out of the bank. Uh, this, these bail-in clauses have been written into all over Europe, but the European Union has written in these bail-in clauses. It's been written into the bail-in clauses in Canada a few times now. Uh, it's been written in in general in the U.S., it's been written in Australia. Uh, so the next time there is a major banking collapse, and there will be, they're already starting to collapse. You brought up Deutsche Bank. That's one of the biggest ones. That's really the, uh, could be the real sort of one that sets it off. Uh, they, are, they are just absolutely decimated right now. Their, their profits this year were down 99%. Uh, they're closing up their, their, everything they're doing as fast as possible, and they're still just going down and down and down because they've got so many uh, bad investments. And so uh, that's way bigger than the Cypress Bank, and then you look at Greece. They did similar things in Greece. They shut down the banks there for months. Uh, so uh, this is going to happen all over the place. These are not uh, Cyprus is is not a lot worse off than the U.S. or Greece is not a lot worse off than the U.S. And when I mention how bad the U.S. is and how it might uh, relate to Canadians is. 
uh, 90% of trade in Canada is with the U.S., and the U.S. is going to have massive problems. So when they do, it's going to more than affect Canada. It's going to massively affect Canada. And uh, the Canadian banks are just as bad as almost any bank. They're absolutely over-leveraged. Uh, they're, they're actually archaic. I, I still have bank accounts in Canada, and I can't wait to close them all because I can't believe they're on like 1980s technology because they all have this, it's all this corporate capital or a corporatism, all this fascism in Canada. They only allow essentially six real banks in Canada. And so they have a monopoly, which is supposed to be the reason that we want government is to get rid of monopolies, but the government gives them a monopoly. And so they've never changed. I, I can't believe how archaic it is. The Canadian banking system is a embarrassment to banking. You go to any place, almost any place. I'm talking Poland. I'm talking Chile, uh, Mexico, anywhere. It's better than the Canadian banking system and how, the, how the, this all set up and how their systems work and everything. Uh, so I would definitely say just get your stuff outside of the systems and get into hard assets. And, and of course, gold and silver have been some of the best assets to hold during times of crisis. And does gold proxy like an ETF or gold certificate suffice? Uh, I would say no. If, if things work out the way that I expect, it will not. What we saw in 2008, I owned a number of ETFs at the time. And I remember during 2008, there was a few weeks where I could not uh, buy or sell. I definitely couldn't sell. I was holding some ETFs at the time, and I couldn't sell. And the reason was because they didn't know which banks were bankrupt. And these ETFs are actually all backed by banks. And so what's going to happen is as this thing starts to collapse and, and then it really gets bad, uh, a lot of the ETFs are just going to stop trading. They're going to say, well, we don't know if Deutsche Bank's even still alive. They're the ones backing this ETF. And so uh, I would say if you, if you want to buy gold and you want to do it because you're worried about a potential financial crisis, uh, to not uh, be just buying gold ETFs. You could buy some. For, for example, if you've got some retirement funds that you can't take out to buy precious, uh, like physical metal, perhaps buy some ETFs and things like that, and maybe they'll survive. I don't know. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, you should be definitely trying to own uh, physical metal. And now, not necessarily just in uh, the country where you're from. So if you're Canadian, don't keep all of your metal in Canada. As we saw in the U.S., they confiscated gold in 1933. As governments start to collapse, they always try to take as much as they can from their tax slaves to stay alive, and they would do that again. Mm -hmm. And so I would internationalize my precious metals. And one, there's so many great ways to do it. There's a site called goldmoney.com. Uh, there's another one called Bitgold. I think you can go to dollarvigilante.com slash bitgold and you'll get like a, a, a bonus if you sign up there. And they actually have vaults all over the world. So you could say, okay, I want to put $10,000 of gold in uh, Singapore. I want to put 10000 in Dubai. I want to put 10000 in London. Uh, and they even have New York. I wouldn't put it in New York, by the way. And, uh, but I wouldn't, if I was Canadian, I would, they actually have a Toronto vault. I wouldn't put it in the Toronto vault because that's too much risk. You have political risk at the same time as you have all the other risks. Uh, so the reason to internationalize it is just to uh, get away from some of the political risk, because as I pointed out, these governments will try to take everything as they go down. Uh, they're not going to go down quietly, and they are going to go down. Uh, they're all bankrupt. Uh, the entire system is bankrupt. The entire monetary system is at its last, uh, on its last legs of fiat currency, fractional reserve banking. Uh, they've, they've squeezed every drop out of this lemon, and it's about to go away. Uh, so I would uh, 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 suggest to people to get outside of that system, get into physical assets, even look at some of the digital assets like uh, Bitcoin. Uh, but I, I wouldn't suggest for anyone who doesn't know much about it not to put more than a few percent of their portfolio into it until they at least understand it. It is quite volatile. Uh, but I think those are also good investments. Right. Thank you so much. And 
Uh, a hot topic, why I brought up the certificates is because we know that there's so many ways of potentially getting involved in gold and silver. What we do here at Guildhall, I'm not sure if you know, but we offer um, uh, secured allocated storage of precious metals outside of the banking system, but it shows up in the RSP. For those Canadians who have been funneled into that way of thinking of needing RSPs, um, I myself don't, but uh, for those who have RSPs, they can now diversify within, put some physical gold and silver in that RSP, but it's held outside, allocated to the owner, allocated to the customer, but it's again held outside of the banking system, just in case, as you brought up earlier, the uh, the, the bail-in clause. Um, we have we do have uh, a lot of customers that are worried about this clause and have done something about it. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, now, well, that's really interesting yeah. because uh, I advise a lot of people in the U.S. to get into self-directed IRAs uh, because once you get into a self-directed IRA, you can invest in almost anything, including physical me- metals. Uh, and you can actually, if you're interested in that, just go to tdvoffshore.com and you can uh, click on self-directed IRAs and we can help you to get into a self-directed IRA. But I get a lot of Canadians who ask me and they say, uh, what do I do with our RSPs? And I didn't know there was an option like that. So could you let me know just so I know what the uh, URL is to go to find out more information on that? Guildhallrsp.ca or you can just go to guildhallwealth.com. Perfect. And I'll send that over to you as well. Great. Thank you so much. And now to close, this question is twofold, Jeff. The last time you were on the show, we discussed how economists, analysts, and even religious heads hold a view that these market events that we're seeing all all occurring all at once, like the lining of the stars, is due to the seven-year cycle or Shemitah market cycle. Your blog extensively writes that this ancient seven-year Levitical cycle is still relative today. It's relevant and, that, and as Bo Polney wrote in your July 28th post, they were about to see an historic stock market collapse and predicts the major rise in precious metals, silver to potentially quadruple if gold doubles. Now, we hate to sound alarmist here, Jeff, but number one, what are your personal thoughts on the Shemitah today and the Jubilee End cycle? And number two, what would you say to that listener who is right now on the fence about acquiring physical bullion? Well, uh, it actually would take a long time to explain everything about the Shemitah and the Jubilee, but just so people kind of get the basic snapshot of it, it's a seven years uh, cycle that was actually written about in the Bible, uh, and uh, many people have been starting to track it, and it actually uh, adheres to exact uh, market days of market crashes. Actually, on the exact end day of the Shemitah in 2001, which was September 17th, uh, which was the first day the New York Stock Exchange opened after 9-11, uh, was the biggest crash in history to that time. That was the very end day of the Shemitah that year. The very end day of the Shemitah in 2008 was September 29th, I believe, and that was the biggest crash in history to that time, and the market, the Dow, actually fell 777 points, and the number seven is just all over the Shemitah sort of stuff. And uh, then uh, last year, uh, we had the Shemitah, and actually in the third quarter of last year was the end of the Shemitah, and it was the worst quarter in uh, worldwide stock markets since 2008, since the last Shemitah. And it was uh, actually, the Dow was down more than 1,000 points intraday for its biggest intraday drop just two weeks before the end of the Shemitah last year. And the only thing different this year is every 49 years or every seven Shemitahs is something called the Jubilee. And uh, according to many people, it's a bit of an extension or even a, a super Shemitah during this year. And we're actually in this year now. And actually, the year started off absolutely terribly, the worst uh, first month in stock markets worldwide uh, since um, er- ever. And uh, then and, uh, right after Brexit happened, the next very next day, which 
which was actually seven years, seven months, seven days, and seven weeks after the last Shemitah cr- crash on that exact day was the biggest stock market crash worldwide again on in June after the Brexit, when everything was cr- uh, crashing and collapsing at that time. Uh, it actually ends on October 2nd of this year, so I'm actually expecting this is going to be the worst period if the, all these things are correct. I'm not, I'm not saying I know exactly how all this works. I'm just saying all the data and all the information seems to lead to the point that we're going to be in for a wild and crazy August, September, and October of this year. So I would suggest people get prepared. And how can our listeners get in touch with you if they need your resources, Jeff? Uh, the best way, just go to dollarvigilante.com. Uh, we, if you just put your email there on the front page, you'll get on our email list. I send out an article almost every day. We're just completely focused on this right now because I think we're really getting into real dire circumstances right now for the economy and financial, financial markets. Uh, as well, we're on YouTube. I put out a video almost every day on YouTube. Uh, just look up the Dollar Vigilante on YouTube and you'll find it. And we also have a newsletter here, Jeff. Um, we have a weekly newsletter, the Precious Metals Advisor, and we'll be sure to put you on that as well, Jeff. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you once again, Jeff, for sharing your time and insights. We look forward to having you back soon. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Jeff Berwick, founder of Dollar Vigilante. You need more information on how to start investing now. Simple. Go to guildhallwealth.com or call this number, one 877 8 silver